0: The topic we're going to talk about this evening is uh, Shemira Soinayim. Um Guarding One's Eyes You know, uh, these weeks, beginning Parsha Shemais Are known as uh, the weeks of uh, Shoevavim Weeks of Shoevavim, right Shemais, Fa'eirah, Bai, B'Shalach, Yisrael, Mishpatim Stand for Shoevavim And traditionally it's a time that people try to improve themselves in areas of Kedusha, uh Sanctifying themselves so we're going to examine something that's uh, very interesting. And that is, if you notice, when you put on tefillin in the morning, you look at your, uh, your uh, tefillin shalreish, if you ever took a look at it actually, if you're up enough, if you're actually awake, when you're putting on your tefillin, you'll notice that out of the bias of the tefillin, there are a few hairs sticking out. You ever see that? Yeah. It's actually the hairs of an uh, egal, of a calf. It's halachal ma'shem yisinai. That for tzvillin to be kosher, they have to have these hairs sticking out of, uh, of the bias. So the question is, why in the world do we have uh, hair sticking out of the bias of the Tefillin? So there's a very interesting sefer. The sefer is called Metsudas David. Metsudas David was written by the Radvaz. Anyone ever hear the Radvaz? Yes. Sure. Radvaz was the Rebbe of the Arizal. Okay, he was the Rebbe in Cairo for 40 years. He wrote. Uh, hundreds, more than 1500 shuvahs. He was a prolific writer. And he also wrote something like the Sefer HaChinuch. Right? the Sefer HaChinuch is a book that uh, explains the various mitzvahs. So the mitzvahs David wrote a book about the mitzvahs, the Sefer about the mitzvahs, but he explains the mitzvahs in more of a mystical way. Right? You know, over if you could say anything, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so he writes like this What's the Indian of having the hair stick out of the tefillin? So he says the following. And he says, basically, whenever a person is about to do a mitzvah, there's somebody going to come down to this world, or somebody who's going to rear his ugly head. Who's that? The Satan, the Yitzhar. He's going to try to stop. Right? So if the Satan sees here, you have a Yid, he's about to put on spillin'. Spilin is an amazing mitzvah, a tremendous mitzvah. Not only, you know, you're doing a mitzvah, actually, if you look in the Be'er Halacha, the Be'er Halacha says that when you put on spillin, you're not just doing a mitzvah, you're actually becoming part of the chetzah show Mitzvah. You know, it's one thing, you bring a carbon, so you're doing the mitzvah. Fill in, you're becoming part of the item. You're the, right, you're part of the chelchefzah of the tzvah, the tzvah is wrapped around you. So the sultan's going to rear his ugly head, he's going to try to interfere. So we want to throw the sultan off, we want to, you know, catch him off guard. We want to make him think we're on his side. So what do we do? We've put in here of an eigel. So the sultan's like, oh great, look what they're doing, they're reminding Hashem about the ched Egel. So the satan has no problem with the mitzvah. So he backs off, and he lets us do the mitzvah. So that's the reason that the Mitzudah David says that we have Halach Lomay why we have to have the hair sticking out of the ego. He calls this Shoychad L'Satan. you got to bribe the satan. So when we hear a concept like that, does anybody ever come across anywhere else in the Torah where we have this idea of Shoychad L'Satan? Shopper. Bribe the satan. By, by shoifar Yeah, there we want to trick Okay, good We want to trick the satan to think That uh, either we don't blow before, before Rosh Hashanah Or we blow twice, right? Where do we ever try to give something to the satan? You know, like throw him a bone No, no it's just put um, the it's just a car, you know. Okay, so there it's like uh, Okay, good There the Torah recognizes The power of the satan You have in Parshis Akhrim you have something called the Sarla Zazel. What's the Sarla Zazel? You have two you have two goats, they Scapegoal. look exactly the same. Right? What? Scapegoat. Scapegoat, yeah. You have two goats, they look exactly the same. They're the same height, the same color, they look exactly the same. One goat you give to the uh, basal magdash, you're offering the basal One goat you throw off the cliff, supposedly it's going to the sata. So what in the world is this concept? you bring a carbon to the satan like all of a sudden the satan is like some kind of a God that you're offering a carbon and what's this idea that you want to throw the satan a bone so it almost sounds like it's some kind of you know a kabbalistic idea that we have absolutely no idea what it means that the Satan's going to interfere with us putting on tefillin so we remind him of the cheydo ego so he backs off he thinks we're doing an avera so he lets us do the mitzvah I mean how do we understand this? So the Mikhtav Meiliyahu explains this on a very practical level, okay? Very, and the idea, Rabbi said, that the Mikhtav Meiliyahu advances, I find to be the most powerful tool that I know against the Yitzhahara. Okay? And uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He says like this, Yeah, I have little kids at home. So you know, you tell them, it's uh, 8 o'clock. Get to bed already! What are you up reading? we are reading? Get into bed! So what does the kid say? No. So what do you do? Get into bed! And what does the kid say? No, 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 right? So what do you do? You scream louder. And the louder you scream, the more the kid is stubborn. And the more the kid is stubborn, the more you scream. And basically, the more you push, the more they push back. Right? You ever, um, you know, you, you um, call up a company, they send you a bad product. So you say, I don't understand, you send me a pair of shoes, I order nine and a half. Sir, you ordered a nine. I ordered a nine and a half, what are you talking about? You say, sir, on our record we have nine. That's it, I'm never shopping store again. Fine, we don't need you, right? The more you argue with somebody, the more you put pressure on somebody, the more they fight back. That's human nature. Even in, even in the laws of physics, if you take a hatchet, now, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he says. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, if you take a hatch, the harder you exert force on something, the more that, that that thing exerts force on the item you're using. Yeah, is that true? That's what he says. So, yeah. The physics, the physics, Newton, physics. Yeah, yeah, it's that that yeah. Any force you put on this, exerts an equal and opposite, an opposite. force back onto you. Exactly. Anytime, anytime you exert force on something, the laws of physics say, that's what he says, uh... Yeah, what is, that, what is that principle called? You don't remember. You don't remember. Okay, good, I don't remember. Or, for example, like this. You ever try, you know, you're, you're in the middle of davening, and you know, something pops into your head maybe you shouldn't be thinking about? Or a baklal, you know? Some an improper thought so enters a person's mind. So the more you say, okay, I'm not going to think about that, the more you sort of put pressure on yourself, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about it. Guess what? The more you're gonna think about it. The that more you press sign, the more you press sign, the more it's gonna feel more pressure back at you. That's like good thing when you think about it pressure, like that. Or even even there's a there's a thing, you know, if you go like this to somebody, they will go like that to you. Right? It's just an e-jerk reaction, right? E-jerk, if you go like this, they'll do it softer. If you do it extremely soft, and if you do it very very soft they won't even respond sometimes the more pressure you put on something the more pressure is exerted in the opposite direction and it's the same thing when it comes to the Yed Sahara and here the Mechtam says an amazing thing let's say you're in the middle of learning and all you know you're in the middle of learning you're mamish in the middle of Tosis you've almost cracked what Tosis is asking and then all of a sudden you feel you know, the phone is vibrating what is that? Is that a phone, or is that you know? You don't even know. Even on Shabbos, people think their phone is in their pocket, right? So, so now you have you have a you have a challenge. Should you open up the phone and see what it is? It's probably the alarm you set by accident that's going off, right? Should you should you see what it is, or should you continue learning? So the Yitzhar says. You gotta see who's on the phone. You never know. It could be, you know, remember when you played the lottery seventy years ago? You could have won. You never know. And if you don't answer now, that's it. You'll never get the you'll never get the earnings. Or you know, maybe maybe it's like an emergency phone call the Yitzhara says. Maybe it's somebody who you know right across the street, they're about to get hit by a car and you need to answer the phone and go save their life, right? That's what the Yitzhara says. So what are you gonna tell the Itahara? Says nothing el Eliyahu If you're gonna tell the Yitzhara, Yitzhara how many times are you going to do this to me? It's more important to learn, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to answer the phone. Guess who's going to win? The Yitzhahar will win every single time. Because for you, if you're going to tell the Yitzhahar no, guess what the Yitzhahar is going to say? Yes! And the more you say no, I have to learn, I have to learn, I have to learn, the Yitzhahar is going to come up with every reason in the world why you shouldn't be learning. So if you're going to fight the Yitzhahar by saying no... Yitzhahara is going to counteract that by saying yes, 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 a lot stronger than you. Yes. So says the Nechta Me'ol how do you conquer the Yitzhahara? The only way to conquer the Yitzhahara is you got to throw him a bone. How do you throw him a bone? You say the following, Yitzhahara, you're right. This is a very important phone call. And that's why I'm going to check who's, who's on my phone in five minutes. You're right. But not right now. I'm not going to... Right now, let me just finish up the uh, kash of taisvis. As soon as I learn for five minutes, I'm going to look at the phone. So what are you doing? You're not really throwing the her Abon. You're not really going to be a But you're sort of giving in a little bit, just enough to get him off your back that he lessens up the pressure so that you can overcome. This is called shochad the satan. You're giving a bribe to the satan. You're not saying, no, 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 no. There's no way I'm going to be Mavata right now. If you say, no, 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 yeah. Sometimes you win. You know, if you learned a good muster say there, and you know, you're really flying high, and you're doing well that day, maybe you'll be able to overcome the Yitzhahara. But in most cases, you're much better off, instead of saying no, say, you're right, yitzhara, And you'll look at my phone in five minutes. Once you tell the Yitzhahara in five minutes, You've given in to him, guess what's going to happen? You'll be able to learn for five minutes, and then by the time five minutes are over, Yitzhak already retreated. Because he thinks, eh, this guy's on my side. He threw him a bone. And, um, come in, come in. So, this is the concept of what we call Sheikh Amen give you another example and this is uh, the example that uh, is very helpful we're, that we're going to specifically talk about tonight that is you know you're walking down the street and you're confronted with a challenge should you look or should you not look yeah so the Yitzhahara says look just look look so what are you going to do how are you going to overcome the If you're going to tell the Yitzhahara no I'm not going to look so you know what he's going to say look and he said, no, 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 wait. He said, just do it. And the more you fight with him, no, the more he's going to say, yes, 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 it will be very difficult to overcome. So you know you tell the Yitzhara? Yitzhara says, look, it will be, you know, it will be gishmak. Eh, hey, what's the big deal? Just look one time, then you go right into the yeshiva. No, nobody will know, nobody will care. You make believe it never happened. So you know what you tell the Yitzhara? You're right. It will be very gishmak. That's why next time I walk down the street, I'm going to look at everything. Just right now, this time, I'm not going to look now, this time. Next time, and the time after that, and next week, and forever, I'm always going to look, Yitzhak, don't worry, I'm on your side. Just this time, I'm not going to look this time. So Yitzhakara sort of said, oh, you're throwing me a bone, you're on my side. He backs off. He backs off, not just to I'm saying one's a asse, one's a losase. It's one thing to say, back off from learning in ten minutes. Yeah, like I'll, I'll look at my phone in ten minutes. Okay, fine. You didn't learn for a minute and you got distracted. But if you and then if you fail, if he gets you in the end, if he gets you in the end for this, it's it's a much bigger it's an affair. Yeah, but if you tell him no, we're we're talking about doing it right now. It might not work now. Very likely it won't work now. To he, the, the psychologically to 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 head off with the Itzahara where he wants you to do something and you just to say you know scram get out of here. Very difficult to to fight the yitzhar that way. You're not you're not really giving in. You don't plan really to look next time. It's a it's a psychological ploy. It's a way to deal with the challenge. Part of the reason why a challenge is so hard is because for a person in his mind to say what I'm never. You know what the yitzhar says he says like this. Come on, give me a break. You're not going to look. You're telling me the yitzhar says you're never going to look at anything improper ever again. Yitzhar says you know that's impossible. So why bother? That's the, that's the argument of the Yitzhahara. So how, that's a very hard psychological argument to win. Because you know yourself, is it paka, possible always to be careful? So you tell the Yitzhaharas, you're right. I'm not, I'm not always going to be careful. Instead of putting all the pressure on yourself that you have to always be careful, you don't have to worry about always at the moment. You don't have to decide you're going to be a tzaddik for the rest of your life at this moment. All you need to worry about is an Sinai hand. The Sinai hand is, right now, and the way to get around that is you sort of throw the Isahara bone. You tell him, yeah, you're right, it's very geschmack to look. And don't worry, Yitzhar, we'll have plenty of opportunities. Don't worry, you know. There are plenty of chances. That's what you tell the Yitzhar. And by the, once you tell him that, then the next time you're walking down the block, he's not even going to bother you. That 's the way he operates he the way why, why is that? So nothing explains that the same way the A Sahara could trick a person very easily, the A Sahara is very gullible excuse me the A the, the, uh, Sahara could trick a person very easily. We have the ability to what 's called give him a taste of his own medicine. I'll give you a perfect example. most of the time when a person hears Masr, let's say a person here has a great schmooze, about learning, about anything. About anything he's going to accept upon himself. So what does the Yitzhahar say? The Yitzhahar says, This Rosh Shiva, you're going to listen to what he's saying? He doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy, you know, you should, you don't, don't listen to words. The Yitzhahar doesn't say that. What does the Yitzhahar say? The Yitzhahar says, That was such a good Muslim So inspiring. That's why next week, at the beginning of the week, you're going to start to do everything He said, just until the week, you know, for this week, let's just like, you know finish up the week. You know, we'll wait for a new week. We'll wait for a fresh week. What is Any time a person feels a anytime any time a person is inspired, what does the Yitzhar say? Wonderful inspiration. That's why you're going to start tomorrow. That's the trick of the Yitzhar. The main trick of the Yitzhar. The Masil Sasharim says that there are so many people that know what their obligation in this world is, and yet they don't do anything. You know why? Because they're lazy and they say tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. The main trick of the Yitzhahara against us is what? Tomorrow. The main trick of the Yitzhahara is tomorrow. Anytime a person has an inspiration to do something, the Yitzhahara always says tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. So you know what? Basically what we're doing now is we're giving the Yitzhahara a taste of his own medicine. When he comes to us, do the Savera, do the Savera, you know what we tell him? Tomorrow, tomorrow. That's, that's all it is. It's Sheikh the Satan. <laughs> you're giving him a taste of his own uh, medicine. So that's the concept that the uh, Radvaz is bringing down by the filling It's not really a weird filling to remind Hashem of the Chedor Egal. Well, I think you're wearing Tfilin to remind Hashem. The concept behind it is in order to get the Satan to back off, you have to sort of say, you know. Satan, I don't mean you. <laughs> that's only because you know we're we're almost related. You didn't know that? I'll tell you after. You have to tell the Satan that um, you know we're uh, you're on my team. I'm on your side. Looking, yeah, we're gonna look from now on. We're gonna look, just not today, not this time. Okay. So that's the first trick I want to talk about. The first trick, just uh, to reiterate, is when a person is confronted with an isayon, I find. The best Aitzah is, you tell the Satan, next time I'm going to do it. Next time. Not this time. Next time. This is the Esa says, okay, fine, you know, I have this guy, I'll take care of him. It's a very good psychological trick. I'll tell you, I saw it uh, recently. Isn't that dangerous that you can actually look at this time after? It's not going to happen? It's a, you don't have to take like a neder that you're gonna look every single time. You don't have to take like a, write down a shvuah <laughs> and get to ayn uh, that you're gonna. do say You know, exactly. I next uh, time it's gonna be more. I'll tell you, right? It works with my kids. Let's say you tell me go to sleep now. What do they say? No. So what do I say? Okay. Um. You know, I have a great idea. You could read for thirty more seconds and then we're gonna go to sleep. So they don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> but if you tell them you're going to do it now no yeah no yeah Say, p- you can, um, honey continue reading for 30 seconds and then you're going to go to sleep it works or it works a lot easier than if you if you just say you know absolutely not so that's what it's it's, it's um, they go to sleep I mean, what? Yeah. and then they go to sleep the next thing they don't look I mean, it's no it's because they give they agree to what you want if something is not coming to you now that you should look tomorrow and he's not going to come tomorrow no, that's the concept. The concept is that, that you sort of, you throw him the bone. That's the way he works. That's the way he works. The way he works is that you're able to trick him in this way. Look, it doesn't mean that something will never come back ever again because one time you beat him, right? he, he's constantly on guard. But uh, in general, very likely, the next time you're walking down the street in the same situation, because once you've conquered him, so you've, you know, you've, you've strengthened your own muscles, so next time it will be easier for you to come. It doesn't mean he'll never come back. He's Mechadesh Allah Bechal and he's Misgaber Allah uh, Bechal So it doesn't mean the Yitzhar is like, oh, you beat me one time, okay, I'm going to retire and move to Florida. The Yitzhar is still, uh, you know, he's still in action. I found another... has not he picked up on... has not he picked up on our stuff by now? No, it's like, you know, it's like the chauffeur. It's like every single year he thinks... That's the way he's programmed. That's the hey, way he's look, programmed. Something's been around for all these years. something not stupid. So it, yeah, however however worse worse then, worse now. Uh, here, look, it works then, it works now. Here, look, look. Psychological. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a psychological trick. I found another example, you know, like this. Right? Getting up for shachos. There are some people that find it hard to get up for chakras. I once heard that in, in uh, other parts of the world, some people have a hard time to get up for chakras. Why? Part of the, right. Imagine if you know a person, uh, their brother was making a bris And the bris was 6.30 Are they going to have a hard time getting up that morning? Probably, it would probably be a lot easier for them Why? It's a one time thing They know, a special occasion One time thing they could get up But to get up today on a Tuesday You know what you're thinking to yourself? I have to get up now? snowballed with getting up today is the fact, what? I have to get up every single day early before Chakras So you know you think these are You say, it's too hard to get up every single day. And therefore you tell yourself, I'm not going to get up today. But that's the satan talking. That's the satan trying to convince you that somehow getting up early today it, somehow involved in that is getting up early every single day for the rest of your life. So I saw the Kitzar Shulchanan says a very interesting thing. Kitzer says that it's not, it's not hard to get up in the morning. It's actually, he says, very easy. As long as you do it three times. If you do, if you get up early, if you force yourself three times to get up early, it becomes easy. Why does it become easy? Habit. Right? One day you're going to look back and you're going to say, What? I lived in this apartment? With, you know, with, you know that, in that room over there? I saw what's <laughs> going on over there? I lived there. <laughs> How did I live there? I'm saying that... What? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, uh, and probably when you first came into the room, it was probably a little difficult. You know? It it's like, you know... What do you say? Skip this part? It still is. It still is. But after a couple of days, it's life as usual. That's the normal thing. You live in a closet, basically, right? That's That's life. Because a person could get used to anything. That's like, in the beginning it's very hard. But after a while, you know, you sort of, you don't even think about it. You don't even sense anymore. That's just life. So the kisser says, you know, you tell the Yitzhah, when, when it comes time to get up in the morning, so the kisser would say, say to the Yitzhah, oh, you're going to get up every single morning, and you're going to drag yourself out, and you're going to fight me every morning, don't even bother. So you tell the stuff, that, no, I don't have to do it every single morning. I only have to do it three times. Once you do it three times, it's easy. But that's a very similar technique. It's a very similar tactic. The tactic is to take the Yetzirah head-on. And the Yetzirah says, don't get up. And you say, get up. It's not going to work too well. You have to be able to sort of say to him, you're right, getting up is impossible. It's impossible to get up on time for chakras every single day of the year. That's why Satan, I'm only going to do it three times. And then once you do it three times... I can say it becomes a piece of cake, but it becomes a lot easier. Okay, so that's the first uh, the first technique. The first technique is don't tell the shtetl no, tell him tomorrow. Okay, you ready for the next one? The next one goes like this: uh, Friday night, you know, your mother lights the Shabbos candles, and you know they wave, even though nobody knows why exactly they're waving to the candles, but um, and then they daven. Yeah, they daven. Why are they davening when they light the Shabbos candles? It's an Eis Why is it an Eis Shabbos. Shabbos. Why is it an Eis So Rabbi Nabuchai writes in Pashas Yisroy, and he says a very important thing. Rabbi Nabuchai says that whenever a person does a mitzvah, right, lighting the cash out. That time that you do a mitzvah is an eisvatze. So, lighting the candles, it might be a mitzvah da'i reis, it might be a mitzvah rabbana, whatever it is. When you light the Friday night candles, it's a mitzvah. When it's a mitzvah, you do a mitzvah, it's an eisvatze, and it's an opportune time to daven. So, therefore, women daven when they light the Shabbos candles. Yeah, That's what, awesome. anytime, anytime you do a mitzvah, any mitzvah is an eisvatze. In fact, you know, the Chabbos Chaim used to say that. Uh, people are very foolish they dive in they, they say the benching they say the first bracha the second bracha the third bracha the fourth bracha yeah and there could be many people they, they bench with a lot of kavana and as soon as they get up to the harachamans they sort of zip through all the harachamans as if the harachamans are not important so the would say why do we say the harachamans after benching? So the Chavashayim says you know why? because benching is a mitzvah dairaysa you just did a Mitzvah d'araisa, So take advantage of the fact that now it's an Esratzon and ask. Ask for what you need. Harachamon, you find a of B'chava, you need Parnassah, you need health, whatever you need. Ask for Eliyahu Anavi. Chavetz says the harachamans are merely taking advantage of the fact that you just performed the Mitzvah d'araisa, So you want it to be an Esratzon. It's a good time to daven. So I found an amazing idea. Okay? Very, very nice idea. This is from... The Rav Aaron Rata. You know who Rav Aaron Rata is? The Shari Aaron. You ever see the Shari Aaron on Chumash? Anybody ever see the Shari? So he says like this: If a person is confronted with an isayon, let's say you know you're walking down the street and the isahara says you know maybe you should take a look. So you know you should think to yourself: I'm about to perform a mitzvah da'iraisa. What's a mitzvah da'iraisa? For the esarabom. Loisa Suru, Achavay Levabcham, Yachavay Necham. Yeah, it's a mitzvah not uh, to control your eyes. So you could say, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this Ace esaratan. I'm about to perform a mitzvah da'iraisa of not gazing. I'm going to take this opportunity to dive into Hashem for whatever I need. Hashem, please make my team win the Super Bowl. Hashem, you know, whatever you, th- whatever you happen to need at the time. Hashem, help me understand choices. Hashem, help me with whatever, with my test, with whatever I need. Yeah? Hashem, help me make a good show on Thursday. night. whatever a person needs, a person should utilize the opportunity. He's performing a mitzvah so the same way after you bench it's a good time to daven when you light the Shabbos candles it's a good time to daven when you're overcoming in the Sion, it's a wonderful time to daven now I'll tell you why this is a great trick the reason why this helps it's not because all of a sudden you're going to become like this holy man you're going to start taking advantage of all these ace zones Of every time you walk down the street you're going to turn the other way and you're going to daven for what you need it's also psychological why is it psychological? Most of the time that a person does an Avera, it's not premeditated. What I mean is like this. Do, 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 most of the time a person doesn't like, sit there thinking, okay, let me think, how am I going to do this Avera? I'm going to okay, drive down to you know, McDonald's, I'm going to go into the store, I'm going to take... No, when do people do Averas? In the heat of the moment, you know, without any forethought, without any, uh, without any um, planning. So a person's getting uh, involved in a conversation, and a certain name comes up, and you know you're talking, and all of a sudden the lashon hara comes out. The person wasn't planning on speaking lashon hara. Most of the time, a person doesn't have vera; it's not premeditated. And most mitzvos, let's say lulav and esrog, you ever have a person they have an asayu not to take lulav and esrog? Of course not, because why? They know you. You have to sort of plan on doing it. You know, you wake up in the morning, you go over to the esrog case, you open it up, you pick it up, you say the bracha, and that's it. I don't know how too many people have a nisayon not to take a esrog, or not to put on philin, or not to put up the mezuzah. Because by definition, it involves planning. Anything that involves planning, you're just going to do. You're going you're to think what you need to do, and you're going to do it. Anytime you sort of think about it beforehand, it's very easy to do the mitzvah. The problem with averos is that they just sort of come up in the spur of the moment without they just spring up when you least expect it. So basically why would a person violate you know, let's just say, why would a person look? Because he's walking down the street, he has a million things on his mind, he's on the way to yeshiva and without knowing it, he says, okay just quickly look and you're just completely caught off guard and you just, you know, sometimes the person will just do it So what this Eitzah is saying is no Oh, you have you're you're transforming a challenge, which until now you comp- you're caught off guard. You're stopping for a minute. You're pausing. You're preparing yourself, and you're saying this is an opportunity to overcome the Sahara, It's a mitzvah right and I'm going to use it. I'm going to utilize the opportunity to daven. I'm going to utilize the esratzon. So what you're doing is you're transforming. A moment with which you would normally be caught off guard, you're transforming it into a, a premeditative moment of overcoming the Yitzhahara. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Say yes. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that's the idea. The idea is, besides the fact that what we're saying is true, that when a person does a mitzvah, they are uh, fulfilling a mitzvah, and it's an opportune time to daven, but it transforms. What transforms a moment with, with that you're not ready for, a moment that you'd ordinarily be caught off guard, you're transforming it into something that you're prepared for. But usually, there's not a gap between the time that someone look and and the, look. and meaning, meaning, he doesn't, he's not preparing, meaning he's not walking out his door and he's going to start davening. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's sort of the tzar you know, the sort of wants to just wash it, you know, it's just. Just do it, you know. And just do it, get it over with, and then, and move on. So now, what this is doing is, it's you know, putting it into slow motion. It's taking the moment, it's taking the challenge, it's putting the challenge into slow mo, and it's allowing you to stop and understand what's unfolding before you. Okay. Let's talk about one final idea. Okay, and this is a little bit of a, a little bit of a mystical idea also. And that is, the Gemara tells us in Sechta Nida. Now when a baby is in his mother's womb so it tells us how you know the baby is folded over and its head is on his knees and so forth and its mouth is closed and uh, the, the Gemara says the baby um, eats from what the mother eats and uh, the Gemara says the following there's a candle lit over the baby's head from which the child is able to see from one end of the world to the other end of the world. And a Malach comes and teaches the baby, kula. And then the Gemara says, what happens? Everybody knows, the Malach comes and does what? See, right? Taps you on the lip, A.B. Randenberg says, and you forget the Torah, even though, what does the lip have to do with your mind? The answer is, it has nothing to do with it. It's not referring to this. The, the, actually the Mepharshim say the mouth is referring to your mind so you know when, you hit, when somebody has a, a, a bump on his lip he doesn't forget his learning it's when you have a bump on your head you forget your learning the, the piv represents your seicha but that's a, a shmuz for a different time anyway, the Gemara says that when the baby comes out the malach comes and makes you forget koha ok, so you get the story you're in your mother's womb you see from one end of the world to the other end of the world and you know Kala and the moment you come out into La Avira you forget everything. And by the way, you can't see anything either. Right? Your sight is very limited. You can see ten feet in front of you. So the Hafla Yeah, you're learning uh, kedushin this year, right? So the Hafla also writes there's a the Hamakra and kedushin the Hafla and Ksubis. The Hafla writes in his introduction to Ksubis, a very amazing idea. And the idea is that every Jewish person has two sets of eyes. Two sets of eyes. You have physical eyes. You have ene Gashmias, you have physical eyes. And you have ene Ruchmias, you have spiritual eyes. What allows you to understand Taira is the ene Hasecha, your spiritual eyes. These are the eyes that perceive the MS. These are the eyes that perceive the truth. These are the eyes that are able to comprehend the Taira. Talking my right side left side function of the brain no yeah, because different parts of the brain they, they think differently yeah left uh, lefties have abstract, where they're no between abstract and thinking of stuff that's not that, right in front of you you're supposed to perceive what's exactly in front of you I hear you we're, we're talking about um, a spiritual yeah it's a, you have okay what's the function of the in terms of the relationship to your physical eyes in other words how do your spiritual eyes work in relation to your physical eyes says says the hafla The more a person is able to control their physical eyes, the stronger the spiritual eyes become. The more you sort of darken and blot out, and not focus on your physical eyes, meaning in other words, not to use them to indulge in Gashmias, the stronger the spiritual eyes become. Says the Hafla, that's why the baby in his mother's womb, how functioning are his physical eyes? They're not functioning at all, can't see a thing. That's why his spiritual eyes see from one end of the world to the other end of the world. They're the exact converse of the physical eyes. The child's in his mother's womb, his eyes are closed, his ayna <laughs> HaSeichel are open, he could see to the ends of the earth, and guess how much Torah he knows? The entire Torah, Kalat <laughs> kula. The moment he comes out into this world and his eyes are open, ah, oh, Gashmias! <laughs> the ayna <laughs> HaSeichel, yeah? these spiritual eyes close, and all Torah is forgotten. Says the Hafla, if you want to be successful in understanding Torah, it works in converse proportion to how much a person is able to control his physical eyes. So, you know, we would think, understanding Toysus, what does it depend on? It depends on my IQ. It depends on how smart I am. It depends, you know how much uh, hachanah I did, how much amelos I did. Well, yeah, it does the, depend how much amelos you did. But guess what it also depends on? It depends on how strong your ene Haseichal are. And your ene Haseichal are given a boost by controlling your ene Gashmi. Every single time a person is able to sort of lower his enayim and say, you know what? I'm not going to indulge what he should be thinking is I am now getting a higher I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting a better prescription for the glasses on my Enei HaSeichal tomorrow when I go learn my learning will be that much better because the Enei HaSeichal work in reverse proportion to the Enei HaGashmi and in fact very interesting Sam writes the following you know before the Jewish people got the Torah so Hashem fed them a certain kind of food called Man, Man and some uh, Sofer says the man actually prepared them to receive the Torah the man was sort of the pr- preparation food to allow the Jewish people to accept the Torah how? you know we all grew up thinking man was wonderful right? right? if I ask you what's the best thing in the world man, why? because you know in the morning you could think I want the man to taste like Dunkin Donuts in the afternoon you could think I want it to taste like this right? man was wonderful? no the Chumash says it was torturous like death HaShem afflicted us. What could, be, what could be afflictive about the mind? I mean, it, it tastes like whatever you want. Okay? I'll tell you why. Imagine if for breakfast, lunch and supper I fed you this and I said, think about, you know, just eat it and it will taste like whatever you want. After about two days you jump off a roof. You know why? Because most of eating is not the actual taste. It's the satisfaction of the eye you know the Gemara says a poor man excuse me a blind man is never full or you could have two guys they both eat a pie of pizza if the person who is blind won't feel full because satiation has nothing to do with the food in your stomach and it has everything to do with oh if your eye sees a lot of food you're satisfied satisfaction has to do with the eye so Hashem said look I have to prepare Ka'al Yisrael for the Torah I'll give them delicious food but guess what the man looks like nothing it was ke'en havida, close. It was ke'en havida'ilach. It was clear, clear like crystal. Didn't look like anything. So kai, so what they were doing was they were weaning themselves off of the physical eye. In other words, they ate food but didn't look like anything. And the more they were able to wean themselves off, their ene gashmi, the stronger the ene became. And, uh, and that is how Hashem prepared us for Kabbalah Satara. So basically, just to review very briefly, we, uh, we gave three etzos, three uh, techniques to uh, fight the etzohara in this Indian of Shmir Sahaynayim. The first idea, which I think works the best, is Satam comes, look, don't tell him no, tell him in an hour, tomorrow, not now. It's a very good trick. It's good for any Avera. You don't have to tell us if you tell the stuff no, know it's gonna be very hard to overcome. That's the first trick. The second trick. The person has an isayun, he says, Okay, I now have the opportunity to be mekayim, a mitzudai raisa. I'm gonna use the opportunity to davin. somebody loyal like six, somebody needs parnasa, somebody needs a sheikh, whatever it is, use it as an opportunity. May in your mind say this is a tremendous Aes I have an opportunity to perform a mitzvah, d'iraisa. it's a good time to davin. And then the third etzah is in general we should understand that every time a person is able to control his Enei Gashmi, to control his physical eyes, what he's doing is, he's being mechazek, he's strengthening his Enei Haseichal, and he'll be that much greater in his learning, in his Ruchnius. I wish you all, bracha HaVaHatzalacha, thank you for listening, have a wonderful night.